What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Black Fashion History Podcast, an audio series by Black Fashion Closet, where we chronicle the contributions of Black people all around the world to luxury fashion. It's Black history, but make it fashion. And I'm your host, Tanika Russ. So if you love luxury, history, being Black, or all three, then this is the place for you. Now let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome back to Black Fashion History. We are now in episode three and y'all just keep coming back. I'm so excited. It makes me feel like we have a good thing going on here. Like we're forging a nice relationship um, and I love it. So thank y'all for that. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, my name is Tanika Russ. I am your host obviously (laughs) but I'm also the creator of Black Fashion Closet which is our mother so to speak and it's a platform where we connect consumers with luxury black owned brands and here at Black Fashion History we talk everything related to black people and their contributions to luxury fashion so thank you for joining us for the first time I really appreciate it Before we get into the legend that we'll be covering in this episode, I want to take the time to recognize another black legend that passed away last week. So last Friday, we, and by we, I mean the culture, obviously her family experienced the loss, but the culture lost the amazing, the wonderful, the fashionable, the iconic Miss Diane Carroll. If you listen to episode two, you hear that I mentioned how she was one of my faves and she's also one of the celebrities that wore some of the designs of Zelda Wynn Valdez. Um, Aside from being just a beautiful, like physically beautiful woman and a fashion icon, she was also a woman that was, you know, working and pushing forward black culture in media and in film. She was the first black person to appear on TV in a role that was not subservient. So she didn't play a waitress. She didn't play a housekeeper or anything like that. She played a mother. And that is big and obviously big for her time. So I just wanted to take those few moments to honor her. This show is all about honoring our legends and telling the stories of those who came before us, giving them the flowers that they deserved. And so I'd be remiss not to acknowledge her. On top of that, she is uh, a personal fashion inspiration to me. So I had to mention this. And I just want to say that I'm praying for the peace and comfort of the Holy Spirit to rest with her family during this very difficult time. Now, for today's episode, we'll be getting into the life and legacy of Arthur George Smith, who's known as the leading modernist jeweler of the mid-20th century. But before we get into all of that, we have to go pay some bills real quick. So I know I got that from old school 106 and Park. They always used to say, we're going to play this video, but we got to go pay some bills real quick. And I never really understood what that meant. I was like, why do you have to take time off from your TV show to go pay bills? But now that I have this podcast and, you know, their sponsorship and stuff, now I understand what that means. So we're about to go ahead and pay some bills real quick with a quick word from our sponsor. So you want to start a podcast, right? I know it can seem really daunting and complicated to have to think through how to record it or how to edit it and even how to upload it. 
But don't worry about any of that. I'm about to give you the only tool you need to create an A1 top of the line podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even start making money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Now, all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M, to get started today. Now, let's get back into our content. Arthur George Smith, a.k.a. Art Smith, was born in Cuba in 1917 to Jamaican parents. His family moved to Brooklyn, New York, shout out to Brooklyn, my hometown, <laughs> in 1920 where they settled and he began to show signs of artistic talent at an early age. He won a creative artistic competition when he was in eighth grade and so his teachers and those around him encouraged him to go to art school. He received a scholarship to Cooper Union for the advancement of science and art and at this school there are only a handful of black students. Art Smith was actually just one of six. So At school, his advisors tried to steer him towards architecture because he was so talented in that area, but he wasn't feeling it at all, especially the math portion of it. However, he eventually majored in sculpture. So in his words, he wanted to create something that was tangible and not just an illusion. So he loved art, but the illustration portion of art wasn't really tickling his fancy. He loved the creative part, the tangible piece where he can make physical things and sculpture allowed him to do that. He graduated in 1940 and took a job with the National Youth administration and later for Junior Achievement, which was an organization that was devoted to helping teenagers find employment. At the same time, he took night classes in jewelry making at NYU. And through one of his positions, he met and became friends with Winifred Mason, who is known as the first commercial black jeweler in the United States. And don't worry, we're going to do a whole episode on Winifred Mason. Her work really gave Art Smith an idea of all of the possibilities that there were for creative expression through jewelry. As he said, and I stated before, that he wanted to create tangible pieces. And so seeing Winifred Mason at work really showed him what that looked like as it related to fashion. Later on, she became his mentor and offered him a job at her jewelry studio in Greenwich Village as her full-time assistant. Last week, I ended the Zelda and Valdez episode talking about why it's important to lift other people up and help give other people a boost, even if they're doing the same things that you're doing. So here's an, another example of a black designer, in this case, jewelry, helping out another black designer, which allowed him to get the foundation that he needed to you know, build himself up and have this great reputation as the top international modernist jeweler of the 20th century so again I admonish you help somebody else out use your platform to put other people on side note 
we just saw the grand opening of Tyler Perry Studios in Atlanta and we saw all of the amazing black Hollywood people come through and show out for him. We saw him name his sound stages after legendary black actors and directors and people who just contributed to the film industry. And we heard him talk about building his own table and inviting other people to eat. And that is the same thing that Winifred Mason displayed. And that's what I'm encouraging all of us to display as we're working to build out our own platforms, whether we're making our way in fashion or music or dance, whatever it is. When we create our table, let's invite each other to eat. That's how we grow. That's how we prosper. That's how we build generational wealth. That's how we continue to shine and we show the world our talent. So that's all I want to say. Now we can get back into the goodness of Art Smith. In 1946, Art Smith was 29 years old and he opened up his own studio and shop on Cornelia Street, which was considered the Italian block. Um, obviously, he experienced racism. There is no way that you can be a black person in the 1940s and not experience that. His window shops were broken, apprentices were heckled when they came to work, and he was threatened. Uh, he almost died in a hit and run attempt. The Civil Rights Congress came to his aid and they got involved and his plight was publicized in the New York Times, resulting in his store receiving police protection. One thing that's become evident to me as I do my research on these people to share with you guys on the podcast and as I live my life and, you know, watch the news, listen to the radio, get on Twitter, whatever, is that black people don't have the luxury of just minding their business. You know, this man was opening his jewelry shop, trying to do his art, trying to sell his art, trying to be creative, make a way for himself in the industry. And here comes racism and bigots knocking at his door, attacking him, harassing him and abusing him. And that happens today. Like black people literally do not have the luxury of just doing what they do because they're doing those things while being black. So they have to contend with racism and all the systemic issues that come with being black in this country when people literally just want to mind their business and do their stuff. But we don't have that luxury. In the case of Art Smith, he soon after moved his store to another part of Greenwich Village, and this is where his career really began to take off. He started selling not only in his own store, but also in stores in Boston, San Francisco, and Chicago. By the mid-1950s, he developed relationships with luxury stores around the country like Bloomingdale's and Milton Heffing. He was also featured in Vogue and Harper's Bazaar. And before his features in those magazines, he was working with very affordable materials like copper and brass. And then people saw him in Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, The New Yorker, and that attracted the attention of very well-to-do clients who commissioned jewelry, but they wanted it in more luxury or refined materials like silver, gold, and precious metals. His jewelry style was very unique and he was all about adorning the body. He used lots of bold patterns and shapes, lots of asymmetrical shapes in his jewelry, especially his necklaces. And he really 
use the human body as a basis for his designs. So he didn't create jewelry uh, with the body as a second thought, but he created jewelry around the human body so that once you put it on, the whole being was a masterpiece, not just his jewelry. One example of this was the rings that he created. He researched rings and he said, what could I do in and around the finger? Not just on the finger, but what could I do in relation to the hand? You have to call these hand decorations. This creative thought process led him to create a three-part ring which he designed for a customer with arthritis. The three rings were connected by chains and really jumped out on the fingers and around the distorted joints of his customers. So again, another example of him creating a piece to add to your body so that the whole person is a masterpiece, not just the jewelry. He developed a relationship with Tally Biotti, who was an amazing dancer and choreographer. The Alvin Ailey Dance Company often does some of his pieces that he choreographed. And he introduced Art Smith into the black celeb circle. So by way of his relationship with Tally, he met James Baldwin, Billy Strayhorn, Lena Horne, Harry Belafonte, all of the black excellence people of that time. He designed for the dance companies of Tally, of Pearl, Primus, and Claude Merchant. And this is where he really shone. These were black dance companies looking for designers to create really over-the-top, avant-garde, whimsical, and theatrical pieces. And Art Smith loved that kind of stuff. He loved creating things that really stood out on its own, but most importantly, stood out when it was in relation to the body. In the case with the dance companies, the pieces had to be large but light enough so that they can dance in. Um, and they also had to look costumey but not too costumey and be easy enough for them to change out of as they transition to different pieces of the dance and different looks. And it also had to withstand all of the physical things that they will be doing. So all of the flips, the somersaults, the turns, everything that was gonna be incorporated into the theatrical show. This gave him an opportunity to showcase his jewelry the way that he liked. So this is a quote from Art Smith himself. And he said, a piece of jewelry is a, what is it until you relate it to the body? Like line, form, and color, the body is material to work with. It is one of the basic inspirations in creating form. I see jewelry as bold, as an integral part of the face, arm, or body. It should be incomplete until it is on related to the body. In the 1960s, his client base increased even outside of dancers, and he was commissioned to create a brooch for Eleanor Roosevelt. He also made cufflinks for Duth Ellington that incorporate the first notes of his song called Mood Indigo. 
1969, he was honored with an exhibition at the New York Museum of Contemporary Crafts, now known as the Museum of Art and Design. And since then, he's had many exhibitions in his honor. The title From Village to Vogue is what's typically used, and his pieces are shown in museums all around the world. So jewelry that used to go for 2 to $3 a piece at the time where he's creating it and selling them out of his store, they're now being resold and acquired by museums for $1,800. And custom pieces go for even more than that, tens of thousands of dollars to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Art Smith died in 1982 at the age of 65, and he died as the leading modernist jeweler of the mid-20th century. And by that title, it is clear that his impact is felt not just in fashion, but in art and art history as a whole. Going back to this point about his pieces going for thousands of dollars today, one thing that I like to do is research black designers from the past and see if I can find any of their clothes on eBay or something like that. When I tell you this man's stuff goes for no less than $1,500, that's not an exaggeration. And that just goes to show you how valuable and how important he is to art, to fashion, to culture, to the point where people are still purchasing his things today at a way higher rate than they went for before. So every time you look at a statement necklace or a three-part ring, one of those rings that go across your whole hand, um, statement jewelry, chandelier jewelry, know that all of those things are sons and children of the beautiful masterpieces that were created by Art Smith. And that's all I got for you today, folks. Thanks again for listening to the Black Fashion History Podcast. If you like what you heard and you want to know more, make sure to check the description on Apple Podcasts. There I list all of my sources as well as some further reading in case you want to dig a little bit deeper. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Black Fashion History Podcast. That's where I post photos of the designer as well as their beautiful pieces. And so all this week, we're going to be showcasing all of Art Smith's wonderful stuff. And if you love this episode, please, please, please do your girl a real quick favor. Make sure to subscribe, rate us five stars, write us a review, and join me again next week for another installment of Black Fashion History. Bye-bye.